I miss that little voice. <laughs> All done. We've just begun. You know, when families get together, it doesn't matter when. Typically, familiar stories have to be retold. And that certainly happens with our family. Inevitably, though, the story that gets told every time, be it my family or Scott's family, gets together, the story that gets told in our family is of our wedding day. It's far too long of a story to share with you this morning, but, but trust me, it was an adventure and it continues to be an adventure every single day that we are married. I'm curious as to what stories you have that are told every time you get together. Can you think of any? Ruth, you're smiling. What? He already knows. See, he doesn't even know what she's going to say. Yep, it was me. <laughs> I left your dad? Oh, okay. <laughs> see, I can see the Methodist pastor sitting there with all these explosives around him. <laughs> ah. <laughs> all right. Anybody else? A familiar story that comes up every time you get together. Oh, come on. Share, folks. Huh, never would have guessed. else one story one more story
it doesn't pay to miss church. <laughs> Isn't there a, a story about the girls almost missing church, Mike? Your girls? And Sarah? In the sewer drain? <laughs> Better the sacristy than the restroom. I've heard that happen before to pastors. Well, thank you. You know, I, it, it's, it's always these kind of stories. It doesn't matter when you get together. They always come up. And, and in fact, that's when, when those stories become significant enough or they don't want to get lost, often they even get written down. Now, have any of you written down any of these stories yet? You might want to think about it. One of the most precious gifts I have sits in the nightstand table next to our bed. It was a gift from my grandmother. And it's a story, it's, it's a book called Grandmother Stories. And it's stories that she remembers from growing up and, and from her parents. And I mean, the cost of, of what gum was and these kind of things, even, even the most silly things that you think of, but wonderful priceless stories of, of the Christmas that she remembers or, or her and grandpa's wedding day or, or grandpa serenading her and selling his guitar so he could buy her a wedding ring. I mean, just beautiful stories like that. Well, that's what we have this morning. We have the book of Genesis. We have the beginning. And it's filled with, with stories that were passed on, oral tradition, just exactly what you do when you get together and, and tell these stories. And eventually, they get written down. We all know the story now because of that, of, of Abraham and Sarah. We know the story of Isaac. We, we know about David. We, we know about Moses. We know about Elijah because these stories were written down. And, and that's exactly what we have this morning is that we have the beginning of all of this story. In the beginning, God created you know, it is the very beginning of these families, and in its very core and in its very essence, it is also the beginning of all of your families, and it is the beginning of, of all of your stories that, that you pass on down. Now, it is wonderful to me, it is a delight to me, to, to explore all kinds of different cultures and to hear that almost every one of them have some sort of creation story. And it is a delight to sit down and, and to read those stories side by side and look at the similarities and, and the differences that are in these stories. The one thing that can be said, though, about our creation story, out of the book of Genesis, the very concept, the very foundation of our faith is the premise that everything we have Everything we know, including who we are today, ultimately comes from God. Okay? That is the faith statement of Genesis. And in essence, it becomes our faith statement. It is exactly everything we know comes from God. Now, if you accept that premise, 
If you believe that premise, that everything that has been created comes from God, then you must also, it connects, that you must also recognize and know that you too were created by God. You know, that, that you were created and, and out of the, the chaos and, and the nuttiness that is life, out of the darkness that is often life, that in the midst of that, God got down and got dirty and put God's hands together and crafted you and claimed you as good. As the saying goes, God don't make no junk. And everything that God has created, God has declared to be good. I don't know what the darkness is in your life. I've lived long enough to know that we all have it. Yours may be different from mine. It's probably no worse. It's hard to judge, and, and we shouldn't judge whether or not John's darkness is, is worse than Amy's or Amy's is worse than mine. It, it's just different. And for each of us, the darkness is the same. It causes us great pain. It causes us fear and uncertainty and doubt. It causes us to question who we are and our, our faith and, and where we're going with our life. And it, it might be a wide assortment of, of darknesses. Maybe, maybe your darkness is, is self-control. Maybe your darkness is self-doubt. Maybe yours is alcoholism. Maybe, maybe yours is, is money issues. Or maybe yours is, is just questioning constantly any decision that you ever make and never trusting or knowing whether or not you can trust the decisions you make. You know, so long ago, God entered into the darkness and he created. And what was the first thing he created? light. He created light out of that darkness. You know, we believe sometimes we get so self-absorbed in, in the place that we live that we think we're the only ones who know the pain that we have. But God came and, and entered into that darkness and created so much light. You, you think about the dark places God has gone. Think about Ezekiel, who, who thought that everything was lost for the nation of Israel. And God takes Ezekiel by the hand and sets him in front of the valley of the dry bones. And God asks Ezekiel, mortal, can these bones live? And out of the death and the dryness, God brought forth life. And those bones began to rattle and come back together. The ultimate darkness is death. Jesus stood outside of the tomb of, of Lazarus, his best friend. And people said to Jesus, no, 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 don't be rolling that stone away. He's been dead for three days. There's quite a stench in there. It's the stinking Lazarus story. 
And Jesus entered into that darkness and he rolled the stone away. And Lazarus lived again. And then the ultimate darkness was his own crucifixion. So dark was that day that the whole world went dark and dark. He went into the tomb for three days. And even out of that, Christ was raised again. And light broke into all the world. There is no darkness that you have that God cannot enter in and create light. There is no darkness that that you live in that God cannot enter into and create hope. There is no darkness that you live in that God does not want to enter into it and be in with relationship with you in that place to walk with you side by side. I want to teach you a, a prayer. It's, it's a prayer, honestly, um, the older I get, the more I find myself using it. I use it every day, and to be honest, I use it over and over and over on a lot of days. You know, often when I sit down with confirmation kids, I, I try to teach them to pray, and by the end of the year, they have to be leading the prayers at confirmation class. And confirmation class and prayers are often the same thing. We, we say, oh, dear God. And then we begin our laundry list of all of our problems, asking God to, to somehow help us. I challenge you this morning to think about praying this way. Please pray with me. Oh, problems. Here is my God. Amen. There is no darkness that God cannot enter in and give change and life and light and hope. Oh, problems, here is my God. Amen.